Welcome to What's Your Beef? What's Your Beef is proudly supported by Suncorp Bank, helping local producers through the ups and downs since 1902. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, this is What's Your Beef and I'm Jane Cudahy. We hear a lot about human gut health, but what about cattle? With four stomachs to keep in optimal condition, it stands to reason we should be talking about it more. There's some fascinating work being done here in Australia with microbial fermentation and its relationship with animal nutrition. Lodemond Animal Nutrition is considered a global leader in microbial fermentation using yeast and bacteria in animal agriculture. And the Managing Director is Alex Turney. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. And I just tried to rattle off some big words, um, which to, you know, I'm not always that great at, but in layman's terms, what's microbial fermentation and why is it important to the cattle industry? So microbial fermentation, well, if we think about beef cattle, a beef animal is essentially a walking 200-litre fermentation tank. So there's a whole lot of microbiology going on inside that, and, uh, and that is what essentially allows us to make more beef. More beef. And I, you know, I guess the, the most basic form of this that I can think of is silage, um, but there's other applications too, aren't there? But let's, let's talk about silage first. Absolutely. So uh, if you think about microbiology and uh, different things like you said, yeast and bacteria, there's a heap of different solutions. So if you think yeast, think beer making, wine making, cheese uh, and all sorts of different things. Uh, if we think bacteria, we can use that in uh, brewing applications. We can also use it in, uh, in silage making as well, making sure that we've got the right bacteria to uh, ensile our crops. Maybe I'm just being completely naive, but, you know, with silage, I instantly think the only time that I've really had a lot to do with it was in Scotland when everything's frozen and you've got cattle in um, sheds for, for quite a chunk of the year and you go out to the silage pit and, you know, try not to freeze while you're taking the tyres off the top. <laughs> but then, I'd, of course, there's applications in Australia. Don't really apply it to northern Australia, but you were just saying before that, that it's actually quite predominant up here. Well, I wouldn't say predominant, but it's been done up in the Northern Territory very successfully by a few uh, a few properties um, over the years. But it's not become a wide mainstream uh, kind of production tool. And, and I think that's the big opportunity of what we've got ahead of us is helping people understand um, why we can uh, use silage in our beef production systems. And, th and that's the wonderful, exciting opportunity that we've got ahead of us. Um, you're right, it's commonly done in the South. Uh, or it's done in places where we've got extreme climates, uh, whether it's too hot or too cold. And Australia fits in between those. So we've got this enormous opportunity. It's just we've got to share the message better. But isn't, doesn't it consist of actually having to grow some crops or um, you know, foliage to be able to ferment? Good question. So we've got two opportunities. We can either grow crop-specific fodder crops. So that could be sorghum. It could be maize crops or corn crops. Uh, we can do also all sorts of uh, predominantly natural grasses, roads grass, et cetera, et cetera. And we can turn those into a forage crop or a silage crop um, as well. So anything that's in excess of our current requirements on a property could be harvested and turned into silage. Is that it's one predominant crop that you would have to use or can it sort of reflect a natural grazing system where they're grazing a little bit of everything all the time? 
it could be both. So we can use those natural systems, those natural grasses, as long as we can get on with a forage harvester or a mower to actually harvest it without damaging the machinery. Um, that's probably the biggest. <laughs> that's probably exactly that's the biggest limitation. So we need to have an area of land that is uh, quote unquote workable uh, in order to make it happen. Um, but there's all sorts of crops. You know, we've made silage from canola crops to uh, triticale, cereal crops, uh, wheat, barley. Uh, we've got sorghum, uh, all the different native grasses, um, and just uh, you know. Um, it's so extensive uh, that there's not much that we cannot ensile correctly and uh, and have for future proof our, our our operations. And so, what's the main benefits then? Why should people be using silage more? Is it a, is it a health or is it a um, you know a production plus? Well, it's quite a complicated response, but in simple terms, it's a way of taking uh, fodder that's grown on farm and putting it into a uh, into a mechanism, silage, that we can store for long periods of time. And, and it's that storage flexibility that allows us to have, um, you know, options when we need them when we're producing beef animals. And, and I think that's the exciting part is we know here in Australia that we have an enormous amount of challenge uh, climactically. So whether it's hot, whether it's dry, whether it's wet, uh, we, we get everything thrown at us, cyclones uh, and the likes. And if we're able to store fodder in a nutritionally uh, valid format, uh, we can do that for one year, two years, five years. We've even got things out in the Western Downs where we can have it stored for 20 plus years. Really? Uh, so it's fascinating that we can store forage as silage for, for many, many years um, and, and that's the exciting part is we've got to show people examples where we where we can do this. Yeah. And so in Lollamond has been in Australia and operating with this for quite a while, hasn't it? Absolutely. So Lollamond has had a has had a long history with the Australian beef industry, and that starts uh, over 20 years ago now, when uh, the proprietors then was a husband and wife team, Trudy and Ken Rich, and they started up a business looking at trying to put together. Uh, growers of excess fodder and forage, uh, contractors, and also uh, willing participants to use silage, which then was all about the feedlot sector. And over time, that grew and grew and grew. And, and really, we have now silage being used across the feedlot sector extensively. Um, and the opportunity really is for the pastoral beef industry of Australia to really get a hold of it. And we see two parts to this. We see the guys that have producers that have used and made silage 20 years ago plus, and they kind of were a bit sceptical. Um, you know, it wasn't overly successful. We saw lots of spoilage, uh, lots of compost piles, and <laughs> things weren't really done that well. And we've come a long, long way in being able to understand when to harvest crops, how to harvest crops, how to seal them, pack them, and look after them, um, how to inoculate them properly. Uh, and then, of course, how to feed them out correctly. And, and, and that's the full package uh, that we've developed, I guess, over now 20 plus years, um, as, as the original business was called Quality Silage Systems, who, who many would remember. Well, it's a very scientific process, too. You just went through quite a range of different um, 
um, processes that you've got to go through. So does the does the average farmer have to be able to do all of those things, or is this a package that Lollimon puts together? Oh, nice one. So realistically, the farmer, the producer, really only needs to understand what could I grow on my on my property. Um, how many animals do I have? How much forage would I like to plan for? You know, how much forage, forage would I like to put away? And I think once that's done, we can then start to work with the agronomists on when we need to plant, uh, how we can plant, et cetera, managing those crops. And then it's really the contractors in Lalamon that work together with the farmer and the producer to harvest that silage and put it away such that we can create clean, stable and hygienic feed for livestock uh, for many years to come. So the technical aspects are really not that much for the producers themselves. The producers really just need to understand where does silage fit in my production program and how can I use it to uh, you know, maximise the efficiency uh, and productivity of, of the operation. And is it still, you know, when you're saying storage, I instantly, as I say, picture a big pit in Scotland with ice and all of that sort of thing, but that obviously doesn't yes. translate to most of Australia. So what, what is the preferred storage method when you're dealing with these tropical kind of climates? Yeah, nice. The, there's a couple of options. We either people get people just putting them on onto, onto hard, flat stands, so what we would call a bun stack, uh, where it's literally just piled up on the ground, compacted, and then we seal that with various plastics and, and, and covering systems, okay. depending on how long we need that storage to last for. You've also got some people that'll uh, quite literally uh, dig out the side of a hill, line that, put the silage in, compact it, and then seal it, uh, and then cover that again. Some people cover it with dirt. Some people use the new modern uh, covering systems or sealing systems. We've got a we really should be using the word seal, uh, our sealing of these crops, because, of course, oxygen is the enemy uh, in this process because that's what makes compost. Yep. Uh, so if we can keep the air out and we can keep them uh, in siling nice and stable, then it can quite literally last for years. So there's bun stacks. Uh, we've got inside the side of a hill. And we've even got some people that will create, um, you know, sort of artificial walls, just earthen walls. Some will have... In the dairy systems, we see people actually having concrete-sided uh, pits. And, of course, that just manages the quality of the silage coming out of the pit. We're not getting uh, dirt uh, fed to livestock, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's one of clean, hygienic feed. So where, where are you predominantly operating at the moment? Where are your main customers? We've got across customers across all of Australia, really from, uh, you know, right up north, uh, places like Tipperary, uh, all the way down to the Warrnambools, the Beagers, Eden, uh, all the way across into South Australia, uh, Victor Harbour, across to Albury in Western Australia, um, uh, Albany in Western Australia. So it's the length and breadth of the country, really. Um, we've got a wonderful team um, here at Lallemond. We've got... Uh, Three people in Victoria. We've got two in Toowoomba uh, that are covering basically all of Queensland and Northern Territory. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've got clients the length and breadth of the country. Hmm, that's amazing. And you said there was a potential certainly in Northern Australia too. So how much uh, sort of development are you doing up around there? I guess a big part of it is going to be, uh, you know, Beef Australia. Um, we, we know there will be a lot of people attend and, uh, and we've come up with quite a novel site 
for that uh, Beef Australia event, and uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit more detail uh, in a minute, I guess. Yes, but um, we really, we've got we've got guys that are, are traveling up into the north. Um, we've also got close relationships with our contractors who also travel up into the north and network their way through the various properties and, and current silage projects. So it's really a little bit of word of mouth. Um, it's a little bit of sort of uh, gross advertising through our newsletters and things uh, with properties that we've got on uh, on our database. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a difficult one to reach out there. So we're hoping uh, that with a novel sort of site at Beef Australia, we can uh, interact with a few more customers and give them some solutions to their production challenges. Okay, good. Well, we'll have to, um, we'll, as you said, we'll get into that a bit more in a second. But I just, I just while I was researching for this interview, I came across, you did an interesting presentation in Africa last year on the important role of gut health in protecting food safety. And I understand, obviously, you were referring to poultry because that's a hugely popular protein um, on that continent. But how does it relate Absolutely. to our industry, the beef industry? Because just that protecting food safety got me. If we think about the gut as being uh, uh, the engine room to production, and what we do to that gut has a great influence on uh, meat quality, on uh, from a carcass perspective, from a growth rate perspective, um, and anything we can do to make sure that that engine room of a, of a ruminant animal, whether it's in a feedlot or whether it's in a pastoral beef situation, um, is, is where the money's made. So... Microbial solutions, uh, whether it be yeast or bacteria, uh, can really help with gut function, rumen fermentation, and getting as much as we can out of the feedstuffs that are often in short supply or in poor quality um, over a period of time. So, yeah, I think microbially uh, we have we still have a lot to learn, um, but there are some great technologies out there that uh, really can uh, improve efficiency and. Uh, and made for a safe, healthy and uh, productive food outcome as well. Obviously, Lollamanda isn't just about animal nutrition. You're also, you know, doing brewing and all of that sort of thing, which, of course, is a fermentation process. So uh, what else does Lollamond do? Oh, Lollamond's got a really extensive business globally. And um, as, a, as a family-owned company uh, that I've worked now for nearly, nearly 10 years, uh, it's a wonderful business to be involved with. We've got business units that cover... Uh, baking, if you think of yeast, yes. uh, obviously it's a huge element of the baking industry. Um, if we think about brewing, uh, all all beers are made with yeast, and and Lallemont have a, a wide range of specific strains of live yeast for the brewing industry. Enology uh, or winemaking is another. Um, you know, Lallemont own the Institute of Champagne. So uh, really? as you're quaffing a wow. bubbly glass of champers. Uh, then there's probably about a 99% chance that'll have a, a Lullamon strain of yeast in it. Goodness um, me. We've also got plant care. So if we think about seed treatments, bacterial seed treatments uh, and things and uh, new sort of fertiliser strategies and foliar technologies, a lot of them now are based on yeast and bacteria or their derivatives of. Um, we've also got a human uh, food uh, and, and a human bioingredients division as well. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating to see where yeast and bacteria, as microbial technologies, end up in our uh, in our food and our uh, beer and wine. Exactly. Maybe I am healthier than I think I am. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Um Now this is all very scientific. How did you come into this field? You'd have to have a background in science, but a bit of something else as well. 
Well, as you can tell from my accent, uh, I am a Kiwi born. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to hold have... it against you, but yeah, now that you bring <laughs> it up, that's fine. The elephant in the room. <laughs> Absolutely. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up on a dairy farm in New Zealand, and uh, I've always had a really keen interest in ag and, and agricultural science. So uh, I went through Massey University and did an agricultural science degree, and then uh, spent a few years actually in environmental science um, as a consultant for, for about five years. And then uh, morphed my way into animal nutrition. Yeah, and wow. I think that's probably where I got really excited about being able to be uh, involved in the very basic levels of nutrition across all species. And, and that included beef, dairy, um, uh, pigs, chickens, aquaculture, even into equine uh, and, and some other bizarre species as well. But it's a fascinating um kind of background and, and I feel very fortunate for that uh, to have that multi sort of species background um, but I went through Massey University uh, and had a fortune enough uh, experience to get a job here in Brisbane in a premix company uh, some 20 years ago uh, and then I've just had a, a, a really um, full experience of being able to touch all of those industries over over many many years. Yeah. Good fun, I reckon. And I guess, you know, with nutrition, as as science and as technology advances more, you know, we know more, scientists know more, and it translates, I guess, to, to the grassroots level. But are producers really, do you think, on average, aware of how complicated uh, nutrition actually is? I think we get such a massive diversity of knowledge in the field with producers. And and that's only natural. Um, that's just part of society and who we are and how we operate. Some people um, think very, very simplistically about their operations and, and others uh, will, will control it to the third decimal place of a, of a ration formulation. And I think that's the challenge that we have as extension specialists, as people that work with producers, is, is understanding where people are at in that, that, that spectrum of knowledge and just helping people uh, be more productive, be more efficient, um, and explaining our technologies and, and knowledge um, as, as simply as we can. It's, it's just such a huge uh, opportunity. It doesn't matter whether you get onto someone whose property is a third decimal place or someone who's just very, very basic in their operation. Um, there's, there's always opportunity to, uh, to improve, we believe. Well, I guess, and people just want the best for their cattle too, and they want to get the best price. Absolutely. Um, and they've got to be able to produce it efficiently um, and, and do it, uh, you know, and most producers will uh, will concur to this. They've got to do it environmentally responsibly um, and they've got to do it and produce the best quality product that they can. Uh, and as you say, get the best bucks for it. Um, and, and I think that's the exciting part for Lullamond is we've got the technologies that can help producers uh, in this silage space really make a difference and give them the flexibility uh, to pull on forage and fodder and feedstock to future-proof their business. You know, let's put excess feed or even planned feed away for the future because we, we know we need it here in Australia. Yeah, that sounds like an Aesop fable, isn't it? I didn't really consider it like that before <laughs> with the putting <laughs> the food away. Um, I can't remember, was it the grasshopper and the ant or something something along those lines? But <laughs> like when you say future-proofing, that, of course, makes sense. Is that is that uh, how you, I guess, help producers future-proof? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of a tagline that we've developed over the last couple of years and, and it means so much. 
we're very mindful that this is not about drought proofing. I mean, that's such a brutal word. And, and as a country, as a nation, we know we're going to get repeat droughts. So this is not, it, it's bigger than that because we're also going to get wet periods. And, and if you take the north, they have a monsoon season. So it's not about drought for them. But in all circumstances, whether you're in the south uh, of Gippsland or you're in the Northern Territory, uh, we need the options to future-proof our businesses. And, and silage plays a critical role in that. And I think uh, that's where uh, Beef Australia is going to be able to play a cracking role in, uh, in giving producers somewhere to go where people can ask all the questions about silage making. How do I do it? When do I do it? What do I do? How do I do it? How do I get a contractor? Uh, and those things. And, and that, uh, we've got almost a, a corporate responsibility, I guess, to uh, to help producers uh, source that info. Yeah, well, that you've you've brought it up again. So Beef Australia, you've, you're coming. You've Have you been to Beef a few times? I've been to Beef a few times. Um, I missed the first one, unfortunately, due to some family challenges. Uh, yep. And then the second time uh, and the third time I, I was left um, I guess I wasn't early enough in my career with Lullamon to understand what business we did for the beef guys. Um, yeah. the, the second time, it really hit home. <laughs> I, I, I was, it was like someone hit me in the face uh, with a with a rotten fish. Oh. I, I just, I, I was, I guess I was a bit aghast, Jane. Yeah. I really was. Just at the scale of it? The scale, you mean? or just The, the scale of it yeah. and the fact that if I was a beef producer, when I came to Beef Australia, I was missing an access point into the world of silage. You know, uh, I could find a seed company who would sell me a seed or a fertiliser company or an irrigation company, or I would find, a, you know, a bump into a contractor who may be just walking around by chance. Yep. But there was nowhere where I, as a producer, could go to to say, where do I find out about making silage? How does can I make this fit for my business? Or what is silage? Even those really simple questions. And so I was chatting uh, along, walking along with my uh, colleague, Ben, uh, in marketing. And, and I said, Ben, next time around, we've got to do something here for the industry to give them access to a one-stop shop for all things silage and forage. And that's what you've uh, done. You've fixed and the that's problem. What, yeah. Well, I don't, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever fix the problem, Jane, <laughs> but we, we're going to give it a red-hot shot. Right. What can um, we expect then? Fireworks? Um, yeah, oh, oh, that could be pushing Full eskies, what's happening, what's happening at the Lillamon tent? We might have a few cold schooners in the afternoon, maybe. Well, it's in um, the name of fermentation, so I would have thought so, Alex. Champagne absolutely. too, champagne. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome to join us for a glass of bubbles. Um, now, we, we, what we've planned is a, is a really um, interactive site as we can. So we're going to have over 700 square metres of... Um, multi-stakeholder site. So we're going to have everything from, uh, you know, our contractors uh, will be there. We're going to have multiple contractors on site. We'll have some contracting harvesting equipment so farmers can see uh, both an old machine and a new one so we can see what technology and machinery improvements we've made in harvesting. We're going to see different seed varieties in, in different stages of growth. So we're partnering with uh, Pacific Seeds to... Uh, give us uh, some actual live displays of, uh, of, of different fodder crops. Um, we've also got, uh, uh, hoping to squeeze it on the site, uh, some mixer wagons, some Rotomix. Uh, we're going to have one of the hay uh, fodder link uh, company having given some insights into hay, uh, both good, bad and indifferent. 
uh, we'll have some uh, an actual eight-ton display of silage. So that was Goodness. made about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we've put that down with all of our uh, our new inoculants. We're going to put that down with the new silo stock plastics and the UV covering systems. So we'll be able to smell your stand from wherever we'll Pe- be able to find you absolutely. very easily. Absolutely. <laughs> People are going to be able to come and literally smell it, touch it, kick it, taste it. Oh, wow. And uh, and I think that's the important bit is people will get firsthand knowledge of this is what we're trying to produce. We're trying to, you know, we can produce stable, clean, hygienic feed uh, for periods of time. And uh, we are hoping uh, maybe even some Lalamon branded wheelbarrows, we could feed a few livestock that are uh, there on site as well for oh, free. nice. Yeah, well, that sounds like you, you've thought of everything there. <laughs> you've also got a well, speaker the, program too. How are you going to fit all this in all at once? So a little bit of the site is going to be dedicated to um, a, a sort of a bit of a workshop uh, seminar room. So we'll have a few displays and uh, and a little bit of a, a 20, 25-seat uh, conference room with just some rolling presentations and and those presentations are going to be nice uh, simple factual uh, presentations that will address those questions of uh, you know what crops can I grow Uh, where do I find a contractor how much forage do I need Um, how does harvesting happen Um, how do I build a bun stack uh, or a a pit stack Um, just all of those really lovely questions that people should be asking uh, about making silage so wow. um, even some of the nutritional aspects of how do I put silage into my, my either my rations or how could I make a feeding system as silage is the basis for that. Okay well it sounds like you've got all bases covered. I'm sure it'll ebb and flow. <laughs> if you ventured outside your tent what are your other highlights of, of Beef Australia? What do you remember um, besides the fact that you needed to bring a cast of thousands to the next one? Uh, well, it's always good to go and have a couple of schooners uh, in the beer tents. Yep. Uh, and the food halls are always impressive. Well, that's, but I, that's market research for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I do enjoy getting out and just seeing the variety of, uh, of, of stall holders um, and of tents in the facilities um, and, and just interacting with, uh, with all of those people. Um, I think there's, it's almost overwhelming to a point where you can't get around to see uh, enough of these things so producers have to be a bit selective about where they go and where they spend their valuable time because uh, some people will come for half a day some will come for a full day and some will come for the full five so um yes it, it is an it, amazing a... breadth of the of beef industry isn't it you just sort of you can quite easily pigeonhole it if you're being incredibly naive but there's just so many different facets and Bits of information. Oh, it's incredible. It's mind-boggling. It is. Whether it's, uh, you know, the big rural merchandise houses of Nutrien and Elders and the likes mm. uh, with all of their sort of stakeholders inside their big tents or it's the animal health companies uh, or it's equipment providers from irrigation and uh, ear tags. And, and I think one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing is the new technology. So whether that's GPS tracking systems or remote feeding systems or uh, those types of things and seeing where the new technologies uh, are coming into the industry. Well, ag tech has just become such a massive part of the industry and I think they're doing quite a lot of that at the Ken Coombe um, cattle yards, uh, yes. which would be great. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and you know, Lullamon's contributing to that as well. We've just released this year uh, a new uh, bacterial silage inoculant based on some new bacteria that improves 
uh, fermentation and aerobic stability. So uh, it's it's nice to be able to be um, at that forefront of technology and uh, and be involved. Absolutely. Now we are coming to the end of our time together, Alex. But I I need to know: Are you a, are you a cook? Are you a home cook? No, my wife uh, would probably give that a resounding no. <laughs> Fair enough. I need to know what your uh, favourite cut of beef is, not for a show-off dinner party scenario. I need to know average Tuesday, Wednesday, what are you eating at your house? Well, I've just chowed on my lunch with uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Nice. So there was uh, a good bit of beef mince uh, contained in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was uh, a bit of sirloin on the barbecue nice. with uh, a potato salad uh, and a green leaf salad. So uh, love a good uh, slice of beef. Yeah, uh, I think we had planned actually uh, a, a beef roast, which we haven't had in a while, uh, through this week. So I'm actually quite looking forward to that because yeah. it's been in the freezer for a little while. <laughs> I reckon I get absolutely cravings for a good rolled roast when it's nice and gristly on the outside. I love it. Oh, absolutely. So good. And then the roast beef sandwiches for days on end. That's also my favourite. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Alex. I really enjoyed the chat and uh, look forward to seeing you at Beef. Thank you very much, Jane, for your time and uh, really lovely to catch up. Look forward to perhaps a, a champers on the stand yeah, at Beef Week. I'll be, I'll be there. I'll try not to be there every day, though. I'll probably, I won't wear out my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for your time. No worries. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.